started and uh yeah so let's go three we're gonna clap it's gonna be three two one clap and so let's go three two one cool good 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 enough baby let's go gang are you guys ready to fly into an episode of rotakus our first our our, our comeback episode featuring jess fucking labella absolutely i'm so ready for the come on my back episode this is gonna be great Hey there, everybody. It's Pax here in the editing room, just giving you a bit of a behind-the-scenes look at how we do things at Brotakus. Uh, traditionally, after the episodes, I will ask the guests or co-hosts, hey, in retrospect, is there anything that you want cut out of the show? And it's normally never an issue because, you know, uh, straight fire on the mics here. But uh, strangely enough, Hal perked up right away and went, um, yeah, you know that one thing that I said about this is going to be the come on my back episode? Could you please remove that? I don't really know why I said that. And I said... Hal, you know what? Thank you for the feedback. I, uh, I I hear you, and I will not remove it, but I will play it a second time. Are you guys ready to fly into an episode of Rotaku's, our first, our, our, our comeback episode featuring Jess fucking LaBella? Absolutely. I'm so ready for the come on my back episode. This is going to be great. Let's, As am I. I'm here too. <laughs> let's, get, let's get it cummy, guys. All right. I'm going to roll through. Oh, this is a big moment for me. This is the, this is the first day of the rest of my life. Let's roll. Everybody, I'm Pax, and this is Brotakus, the show where we let you know that we've seen Odd Taxi. And if you think a walrus driving in traffic's the crazy thing that happened in a taxi, then you should see how we do it in Brooklyn, baby! Boom! Bing bong! We believe you don't need a major in anime studies to enjoy this wild, beautiful, strange art form, and we are lucky to have you on this journey with us, joining us today in the Brotakus studio! I said Brotakus, Taku, Taco! Ah! I'm so excited. Our guest today is a legendary shit poster, Twitch streamer, and absolutely fuego internet presence. He's a deeply intelligent, deeply funny, kind person who I'm honored to call a friend. You can catch him on social media at JJJJetplane on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram, or at uh, Plane Wrangler on TikTok. Those will be spelled in the show notes. Listeners, Protakus, Dojin Shis, my non binaries Jess LaBella. Jess, how are you doing today? I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me, Pax and Hal. Much appreciated, guys. How are you? Speaking of Hal, guess who's back, bitches? Hal, get in here. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I've returned from my long exile, having seen many strange lands in my journey. Now, after honing my Keke Genkai, I'm back. <laughs> tanned, rested, and still fucking stupid. My name is Hal, and it is good to be back on Brotaku's Anime Club. Beautiful, Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for having beautiful. me again, Pax. It's so good to see you. Oh, it's so good to see you and to see you every day because the big update for listeners is thank you all so much for your patience as we were uh, moving studios, dealing with life events, dealing with all these things for our beautiful, long-ass, unannounced uh, hiatus. We are back. We are the Hunter Hunter of anime podcasts coming at you when you least expect it and giving you no reason to think that we will ever return. And yet here we are, the goats, the demolishers of IGN Anime Club and all of the lesser podcast that we trample on on our feed and they're destroyed yeah. <laughs> now something that i need to throw out right off the bat though is that um 
Jess, I tuned into your uh, stream this past weekend, and one, you're fucking great at streaming, an absolute joy to watch, just a natural presence with all of that. Um, but moreover, I need you and Hal to briefly talk about uh, about Super Smash Bros, because that was what I, st- I saw you streaming. I am no good at fighting games myself, but I don't even know what to ask. Like, what's your main? Can you do the little bubble thing with the bumpers? How, yes. Hal, take it from here, co-host. Yeah, absolutely. So if we're going to talk Super Smash Bros, Jess, I, I guess my first question would be, um, are, are you super, are you a big fan of Super Smash Bros? Have you like spent a lot of time playing it? Do you smash, bro? Uh, the, the, the answer to all of those questions is yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've, uh, I, I grew up on Melee. Um, I never had a Wii, so I never got Brawl, although I played Brawl and we don't, you Brawl, didn't miss Brawl much. Was, you're okay. Brawl was the problem child. We don't really talk about Brawl. Yeah, yeah you're um, good. But grew up on it. Have I have the same GameCube that I had since 2001. Uh, it's currently in my office, actually. So I play some Smash when I'm on my lunch. Um, but I also don't tell anyone. But I I play my Switch when I'm on the phone with people. <laughs> but they don't. Hey, know that. all right. <laughs> but, so a and, true gamer. Oh, yes, all right. Absolutely. Okay. There's never there's never a rest day. You never skip Smash Day. So uh, that's right. I got back into it when I got a a, a 3DS with Smash Four. Discovered Yoshi. Um, and I mean, it's been, it's been visual shit posting ever since. So, you know, getting into smash ultimate and kind of building a community around like playing smash every weekend on Twitch has really been an enjoyable experience. It's always my kind of most watched, um, stream for every weekend, but it's, it's like, it's made me look forward to Sundays. Like I never used to like Sundays, Mm. but, uh, I, I always love smash Sunday and, uh, you know, beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> so, so I'm hearing you. Uh, you referenced Yoshi, the our, yes, our, everyone's favorite green dinosaur, or purple, or blue, or white, or black, or whatever color variation you prefer. Um, I'm assuming Yoshi then would be your main. That is correct. And and for a long time, I only played as Yoshi for a very long time. And uh, now I branched out. Uh, I don't know. I think I. I don't know if I want to say I got bored. I feel like that's not the right answer, but I got curious about some other characters. Um, I'm very much a, a kind of find a routine and stick with it kind of person because otherwise there is no routine. So uh, I like consistency and Yoshi was something that just kind of clicked for me. Um, but I, I I also like chaos, which is why I started playing as Captain Falcon as well. And my, my ongoing motto that I always say whenever I play Falcon on stream is that it doesn't matter whether it's you or someone else playing as Falcon, but stupid shit is always going to happen. There's always going to be dumb shit. It might be you. It might be your opponent. It might win you the game. It might lose you the game, but stupid shit always happens with Falcon. And that's why I love him. You know what, Jess? I couldn't have said it better to myself because I am also a Captain Falcon main. I am also... (laughs) Just, you know, big risk, low reward. I will try to get, I will try to get a one Falcon Uh, Punch throughout the entire match. I don't care if you three stock me. If I hit you one time in the Falcon Punch, it doesn't have to kill you. I will be happy. And, and I'm one of those players that likes to really, uh, watch other people who are better than me play mm -hmm. with Captain Falcon and then pretend that, you know, maybe I can be that good. And so I play online and immediately Uh, get bodied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Watching other people run game on your man. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, 
And you know, Falcon, like you said, is one of those characters where if if you play him, something bad is going to happen or something really incredible is going to happen. But you also have to be really good with him or else only bad stuff is going to happen. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Can I tee up a dank transition here, gang? Absolutely. Please. Speaking of something bad happening, the COVID-19 pandemic, gang, ah. it's here it's bad, and we're uh, no. Uh, Hal and I have created a plan to do something about it. We've That's right. Something about it. So, Jess, you need to be our mediator because we're going to okay. introduce our idea to you for how to mm-hmm. save the world from COVID. Okay. All right, give me your pitch. Let's hear it. All right, dope. So essentially, uh, recently the Omicron variant has uh, emerged here in the greatest city on earth, New York City, and it began spreading. And you can see features in the New York Times uh, with this. You can see features in in Vox and Slate. The major super spreader epicenter of the new Omicron variants encroaching into the U.S. is what, Hal? SantaCon. No. <laughs> anime Wait. USA. Anime. That's right. The Anime USA anime. convention. The New York Anime I thought convention. this was uh, Brotaku Santa Club, the, uh, the the club where we only we only record in the North Pole. Did I, did I get that wrong? I, it's been a little bit since you've been on, so I'm going to give you some leeway here. No, okay. in fact, we are an anime podcast. And although we, oh, are, okay. Okay. although we are with Hayao Miyazaki in believing that anime was a mistake, it is, yes. it is, it is bad, bad, bad. Uh, nonetheless, we can't stop talking about it so our plan is we are going to make a time machine go back in time and That's what right. how we're going to uh make sure anime is never created we're going to kill every person who ever made anime exist in our current timeline in order to stop omnicron from spreading throughout new york city which which i think honestly and and, and you know what jess you can put in your input here but mm-hmm. i really don't think i need it um okay i i really just feel like um duly noted I, I really just feel like this is a plan with no holes whatsoever. This is airtight, easy, one hundred percent success rate. Yeah. So the the um, the scenario we're presenting to you, Jess, and you got to help us troubleshoot. This is build right. a time machine, go back in time, um, murder Akira Toriyama before he creates Dragon Ball. So mm-hmm. so boiling it down to that, is there? We think that that can be enough to delay the Omicron pandemic in the U.S. by at least two to three days, and we can save literally dozen of lives. I, if we do I, this. honestly at, I, at, at least to I would say more I would I would actually say more because you get rid of the problem that is Dragon Ball Z fans mm, what's no that offense, problem no Jesse? offense well, yeah yeah can you no 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 no, no. please yeah, tell me more about that yeah yeah I'd have, love to hear I more have, uh, I may have dug uh. myself into a little bit of a hole here but okay. uh, I, you know there there are there is that that subsection of of anime fandom that only watches Dragon Ball Right. And that's all that's all they need. And I and as someone with very few brain cells myself, how like how how are you satisfied with just that? Mm. How are you mm. satisfied with just that? So I, I I understand the appeal of Dragon Ball, but if we were to uh unalive the person who created Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball never comes into being, that may you know, cascade effect, butterfly effect, outward much more dramatically than 
you were even thinking. You're just aiming for for mitigating the 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 second fifth wave of the pandemic. I don't even know. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. It's more like it's more like high tide, low tide at this point. Right. Right. It's less more like waves. It's more just kind of like, you know, coming in and out, uh, you know, pounding upon the beach. That is my sanity. Um, mm. Ooh, just yeah. slowly eroding my consciousness away. Yeah. I hadn't considered that because I, I do think guys who only watch um, Dragon Ball Z, like they are the anime equivalent of your straight male friends in their late 20s who are unable to make their wives come because they only uh, do like two minutes of missionary followed by a firm handshake and that's the only thing they're comfortable with. And if they were to expand, we might get rid of the trope of like 85-year-old women voicing main shonen protagonists. We might get rid of like anime blackface. You know what I mean? There can, there, there's some, 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 some substantial things. Maybe Usopp wouldn't have problematic lips if we get rid of some of the Dragon Ball characters. There's a, there's a lot of those are all cascading good effects. There's a yeah, lot of cascading right. so, effects. So uh, any Brotakers bro who are listening, we will be meeting under the Brooklyn Bridge on Christmas Eve to discuss further plans. If you have any gears or uh, uh, time crystals <laughs> to contribute to the uh, the event, please let us know because we, we are in desperate need. We yeah, will, at this uh, point, we have like a, a few paper clips, uh, an IOU post-it uh, <laughs> to, uh, to Best Buy and um, that I have prepped for a future occasion. And um, I think I've got a, an, an old Mac charger that I think we're going to use uh, to to make sure we got juice. So if you have any, if you have like any yeah. chaos emeralds or anything like that, I'm sure that would be great. And and once we eliminate anime from existing, we'll be able to come back and hopefully uh, come back to a world where we do have Brotaku Santa Club and we are just a holiday themed podcast instead. I'll, yep. I'll be surprised whatever it is. So um, yep. thank you for running us through that, Jess. <laughs> I guess the plan is truly foolproof, even better than we thought. Yeah, there's zero, <laughs> yeah, holes, yeah, yeah. no bottlenecks whatsoever. Nope. Great. Okay, fantastic. So moving on today, we actually do have a theme of the episode today. We are uh, coming back not just to bullshit and yank you around for an hour. You're listening for that sweet anime content. Some of you just want to hear me uh, uh, stumbling over my, my words for an hour every week, but some uh, others of you actually want to hear about the goods and the goods that we have in our sack for you today, children. I, I regret saying that. I, uh, um, this is the, Santa Club. Santa Club. Santa Club. Santa, Santa, Santa Club. We we only we we have toys for every single person that downloads this episode. That's right. You get <laughs> your own toy. I don't and, want it. And and nope. It's it's coming to you. Express delivery in the mail. The so get ready. Gang handing out toys to the kids. Sack, the sack <laughs> gang. <laughs> Anyway, the actual topic today, we are talking about the new, uh, what should by all means become a smash hit anime, this uh, year's biggest surprise, uh, uh, maybe going toe-to-toe with Odd Taxi, Ranking of Kings by Mangaka Sosuke Toka. Now, Jess, how did you hear about the show? Because you were the one who first <coughs> brought this to my attention, so I'm curious. Um, I, I've been known to delve into the, uh, the YouTube rabbit hole that is AniTube. So I, mm. I do watch some anime YouTubers, uh, Mother's Basement, Gigok. The best. Um, I love Mother's Basement. He is incredible. Mm. His writing style is amazing. Um, and he really knows what he's talking about. But, um, I, I, I always kind of watch those like, what, what anime to look out for for fall 2021, you know, like the, mm. the, those kind of listicle videos, which don't get me wrong. I have a degree in journalism. I hate listicles, but they work mm. in a video format. So, you know, I'll guess I'll compromise my morals on that. But mm. 
I I believe, looking back on it, I believe that I saw Ranking of Kings in in Mother's Basement's video about like what what to watch for this season, and oh, it immediately okay. caught my attention because of the the art style and because of the the overarching story. Um, and I figured, you know, I've I pay seven bucks a month for Funimation. Fuck it, why not? So. Mm. You know, I started watching it, and within the first episode, mm. I was like, "Oh, this is this is this is built different. This is going to be good. This is going to be yeah. real good." Yeah, so, and I think I think we'll get into what set you off uh, with that later. We definitely got to come back oh, to yes. that. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, how how was this? This was the first anime we have ever watched together in person. What was that experience like for you? So, so for those of you who don't know, um, you know, we are, we are in Brooklyn. We are within five feet of each other roughly at all times. Bing bong. And, um, and, uh, we, this was our first anime that we watched together and we, we sat down on our couch. We, uh, we, we turned on Ranking of Kings and it was probably, one of the most surprising shows that I've ever watched to date. Um, and that much more rewarding because we were able to watch it in person. And the entire time, I think, and we, we are currently up to date, and neither of us at any point have been able to predict what is going to happen next. Mm-hmm. I think a total of like two times have we predict correctly what is going to happen. And it, it still held its shock factor when it happened the way you predicted it. So in that regard, it's, it's extremely rewarding to watch and, uh, I can't wait to talk more about it today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we're going to, I saw the nod there, Jess, we're going to get into like the sheer surprise factor that this show has in a little bit, but first we're going to hit you with the subject prelude because, um, this was a story again, where I was legitimately surprised by the story of the mangaka because it's very, very unusual. So I'm going to kind of give the background of the show and then we're going to delve into the main things that make ranking of K such a amazing hidden gem of this season that that is well worth watching. So uh, throughout 2016, Sosuke Toka was not a happy camper. He'd been working as a corporate salary man for two decades and was not satisfied with life at all. He always loved drawing and on a whim, he decided to send in an illustration for a picture book competition and he won. But this was not like a national multinational picture book competition. It was just a little thing. He won. He felt great. Uh, but then he quickly faded back into obscurity. Uh, But what this does do is it creates a spark. And he goes, oh, yo, damn, drawing is lit. Somebody liked it. I need to put myself out there again. I can't be rolling around in the depression mud, living out a slow and quiet suicide until death finally takes me. What I I call a COVID blues, which are due to strike any day now with the lack of sunlight that I'm getting. (laughs) Anyway, so um, he decides that he needs to self publish. So he quits his job at the age of 41 years old, which is I've never heard of a mangaka starting that late in life. I've never heard of a mangaka starting that late. Um, He quits his job, creates Ranking of Kings, and he publishes it himself onto an independent web manga site called Manga Hack, and it blows up. The art style is super simple with minimal backgrounds. We're talking about the manga here. It's like rare you're going to see a background here. Super very clear uh, line art, very bold and blocks, but it's super fresh and it brings much more traditional European fantasy influences to the manga sphere. It becomes optioned for an anime by Studio Wit and then within two years, now we're at the end of this, Studio Wit absolutely goaded up there with Studio Trigger and the resulting anime is such a smash that in the East especially that the first four episodes garnered over 
60 million views in China alone, with viewers praising the story, its heartwarming characters, and its vibes. And this is the one thing that has always stuck with me, is how often people describe the show as heartwarming, when for me, it's way more often deeply horrifying, (laughs) but we're going to get to that. Um... Little final tidbit bit to throw out here. He's now 41 years old, the uh, author of a very, very successful manga that has still not been officially translated into English. I've read the first 25 chapters, but that brings us up to like episode five of the anime. Um, and his parents still do not know about the manga. He's 41. They still think that he's working as a salary man, but really he is doing it the way that one, the author of um, uh, One Punch Man did it, where he's out here doing his own thing and finding a great, great ton of success. So um, anything else we know about the background we want to add on, or do we want to kind of flow into the concept here? I'd say, but let's go with the flow, baby. We're we're bebopping here. Okay, so with the flow, Jess, I'm tossing the ball of conversation over to your hands of talking. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about the the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us a little bit about. Tell us about uh, ranking of kings. um, What to expect? Just the overall concept of the show. Right. So, the the concept on paper, it is technically a shonen anime. Mm. Technically. And uh, and and we'll we'll dig into that a little bit more uh, later on here. It's technically shown in it's a little bit of coming of life as well, um, but it's got this kind of major twist to it because it's like like you said, like One Punch Man. But One Punch Man is the logical conclusion of what if the protagonist was the strongest. So mm-hmm. it flips that on its head. So what if the protagonist was the the weakest? So our, our main character, we follow the story of Boji, who is the first prince of the the uh, the kingdom of Bos, B-O-S-S-E. Um, and basically he is he is deaf, he is nonverbal, um, and he's he's the the son of two giants, but he's very, very small. Okay? So he wants to be and it's shown in, in the sense that he wants to be the the biggest or the best blank out there. You know, he wants to be Hokage. He wants to find the One Piece. He wants to kill all the Titans. He wants to uh, some other thing, avenge his family and kill the head of the demons. I don't know. Uh, so, you, know, it, you nailed it, it man. It, yeah, it's, absolutely. It is. It's the the standard shonen trope in that sense, but that's where it. It kind of stops and it quickly develops into um, uh, more Game of Thrones, uh, Lord of the Rings-esque type epic story where you're not just following Boji. You are following all the characters and their backgrounds and their motivations and every mm-hmm. single one is incredibly, uh, uh, incredibly engaging and riveting so yeah it's it's a shonen but it's far more than the typical shonen okay your description of this is game of thrones meets steven universe is yes. like re- that's really spot on and i got a soft spot for a giant woman in an anime how about you jesse yeah absolutely oh, absolutely yeah, yeah. and to see his giant mom what's important here is when we say he's like the son of giants but he's still really small he's not just like small for the son of giants he's small enough where like he he's maybe the size of like what seems to be like an average like five or six year old yes you know what i mean even though he's somewhere between like 10 and 14 the magica 
has not made it clear, but like when he's being held in his mother by flashbacks, it's like he's a pee on her pinky in terms of like this kid must have just like come out with a sneeze, man. I would not have noticed giving birth to this child, but he is incredibly cute, incredibly cute. Um, Hell, anything to add on there? No, I, I think you you voiced it perfectly when it came to I, it makes me wonder, like, how did they what what exactly told them? What was the first sign that she was pregnant? You know, what what made mm. it? Because there was Yo. no there was at no point were there any visible signs of, of pregnancy here. There's no possible way in which this 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 giant woman's form changed at all you know that's and a really so, like, good point i feel like just one of king boss's sperms would have been larger than <laughs> larger like, than Boji. Yeah, right. Boji's actual body so so i'm i'm curious because we you know not to give spoilers but we really don't see a whole lot about her, his mom you don't see a lot about uh about the queen so um you know that's that's an interesting thought there yeah Oh, her grave, though, because, of course, this is an anime. Um, there's a, a dead mom involved. Um, it's like the size of, like, the World Trade Center. It's gigantic. It's Massive. huge. Yeah. It's huge. Um, and I think hammering home here uh, the the concept, um, could you also tell us a little bit about uh, our deuteragonist uh, Kage, the little black blob that is his yes. homie? Yes. Yeah, and and so Kage is uh, like if you've ever seen Full Metal Alchemist, kind of like the like uh, Pride, right? So yeah, but if Pride um, couldn't stop crying, right, right. But if Pride was really emotional and and more human than you know a homunculus, but so mm-hmm. uh, Kage or is it Kaze or Kage? I can't remember. Now it's Kage. I'm is it Kage? Okay. So mm-hmm. so Kage is uh is this little shadow creature and you you learn fairly early on and we, we might get into a little spoilery territory here. You learn fairly early on though that he is part of a clan of of shadow people and there's also uh hinting towards a a light clan as well. Um and mm-hmm. That uh, all that stuff hints towards a much larger world that we're dealing with here than what we see. But uh, Kage is just this little kind of amorphous blob of a character um, who basically is the last of his clan. So it's a Sasuke Uchiha type situation. Um and he's he's just kind of a, a highwayman, you know. He what if, he goes, what if Sasuke was flubber and black? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> right, 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 so, right, right. Um. So he's just kind of trundling along in life, trying to survive as best he can. And uh, he he's, you know, become very jaded very quickly with the state of the way things are because, you know, he's been kicked down. He lost his whole clan um, and he's been on the run. So, you know, he he comes at things from a very different perspective than than Boji does. Um, and he comes across Boji just playing in a field. And, you know, his first instinct is to hold him up and he and he actually takes all his clothes. So he's just like, oh, you don't have any money. Okay, well, give me your clothes. So that happens for a a little while. um, And and then he he kind of sees how Boji interacts with the rest of the kingdom. And then all of a sudden things start to shift. Yeah. How how does the kingdom choose to interact with Boji? Are they nice to the most disabled kid in anime? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, they, 
They treat him so, worse than the village treats Naruto. Right, but right, not right. For, like harboring the demon that destroyed the town for being disabled. For it's being so, disabled. And it is so solely wild. that. Just for being like, how dare you be royal and disabled? How dare you? Um, and so, and, and to, to give context here, like, this doesn't just happen once. Kage doesn't just be like, hey, you don't have any money? Give me your clothes, like, one time. This happens over a period of what seems to be days or weeks in which Boji will walk through town fully clothed with all of his stuff, go to a field <laughs> for a few hours, and then come back completely naked. Um, he and Is he completely naked or does he have underwear on? He has, he has underwear. underwear. He has okay. underwear. Um, he has underwear on, but every time people see him going through, they're like, yeah, there's the, the king's idiot. There he is walking through the street. What a little dumbass. Um, I can't believe he's in line to be the king. Um, and, and that is sort of what Furkage gives him that shift of being like, oh, he's a prince. Oh, right. I've been robbing a prince. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> but then his takeaway is. Huh, I've been robbing a prince. Go get me a bunch of prince shit. Yeah, get me more stuff. Yeah, time, yeah, yeah. You, you naked, dumb, deaf bitch. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Because um, uh, one thing that I think uh, world building wise to throw out in the concept here is I have probably the most difficult thing to animate and to draw, I hear from artist friends all the time, is hands. You know what I mean? Every time I've tried to draw hands, very, very bad. <laughs> and yet this show, because Boji is um, mute and deaf, Almost all of the the characters who interact with him regularly interact with him in sign language, in sign language that is really, really well animated. And the love and care of the animators to choose to animate this painstakingly is it, it, it just brings it home. And I think it's it's a really awesome inclusion, even though Boji is not having a great life. <laughs> um, he's still he's like indefatigable, but he knows the people are picking on him, and. The villagers have a really good point, I would say, because their current king is like the strongest guy in the world. He's got like a he's got like a a, a, a big mace the size of like Yggdrasil. He's able to like crush wood until it becomes a diamond and present it to people. And this guy is the size of a pea and unable to hear or speak. And the only time he does speak, he's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, basically, Prince Boji is like Elmo if he actually never learned like English. <laughs> well, and that's it's also kind of interesting that there is this dichotomy of of making things as accessible for Boji as possible paired with how the villagers actually treat him. Mm. Like paired with with how how incredulous they are towards him, you know, and the way that he is. But, you know. I, one thing that Bose actually says at one point is is that he wants to make the life for Boji as best as possible. Mm-hmm. He loves this kid. He yes. loves, loves, loves this kid. Um, which is complicated by the fact that one of the core characters is the prince in this show. The prince, uh, what's the prince's name? Um, Dida. 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 Yeah, and so the prince Dida is... Um, is boss's child with his second new wife, um, who's a really cool character. We'll talk about her later. And he is showing remarkable proficiency with the sword. He's definitely mm-hmm. inheriting a lot of his father's things. But for some reason, Boji still be is in line to like have the throne. And it brings up all these wild questions. So um, Hal, I think at this point, it's kind of good to talk about the setting, like what to expect out of this world, how it builds it up. If you could hit us with that. 
Yes. So, so in this world, you're looking at like a, a, a traditional, like European medieval fantasy land. So you've got like, you know, big castles, uh, small villages with thatch roofs, like cobblestone streets, uh, people fighting with like traditional medieval weaponry, like long swords, spears, uh, that kind of thing. And, and what's interesting about this setting is that for the longest time, you, you don't really get a, a sense of what else exists in this world. Mm-hmm. You kind of get more of a feeling of Boji's, uh, Boji's kingdom, um, more than anything else. But considering that part of the story is about Boji wanting to go out and, and be a strong king and, and, and travel that, you know, comes out later, you start to see more of the world, but you, so at first you think like, okay, you know, uh, King Boss is very clearly a giant man, very clearly a large, large, large man, not entirely human, or maybe people are just that big in this world. And then you see a shot of him like fighting off what appear to be orcs. Um, so you see that orcs, oh, okay, orcs exist in this world. Oh, you meet Kage, who looks like, you, you know, uh, who's basically Sasuke Uchiha if he were a sleep mask. Um, <laughs> that, that's, that's good. That's real good. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. much what he looks like, like a, a moving sleep mask. And um, so you kind of start to get this feeling of like, okay, there's a lot more going on here. Then you hear uh, a lot of the exposition for the for the setting doesn't actually take place in the first episode a lot of it happens in small conversations between characters so you have like yeah you see the moment of king boss fighting off this you know battalion of orcs that have like swarmed this this village and bosses you know kills them all and is like all right i'm gonna make a kingdom here now um but then you see you hear about the ranking of kings um, which is not just the title; it is also a, a process. It, it is a system here within this world. anime bullshit. I love, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Love rankings. Um, I love God, like, God of High four- School. Uh, that kind of bullshit. The fourteen um, moved moon chieftain, the monster trio, the like God, and the fact the that there's like Kisuke, a big, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the big four in Boss's castle, like his four strongest guys. Every time anime yes. numbers something, it just gets me hype. And I know that this is a Skinner box. I know I'm a little like I know that I'm a monkey being handed a piece of banana but like (laughs) i I still get hype i'm sorry anime trained me (laughs) absolutely and and so you are under the impression that king boss is if he's not the strongest person in the world he's very very high up there he's very close um and essentially you hear about the ranking of kings being where this uh sort of adjudicator goes around and ranks the kings based on how they rule their kingdom, based on how their people like them, based on how physically strong and capable they are. Um, And so the whole aspiration is to be the number one king. um, And there is some sort of divine gift that is bestowed upon you. Oh my God, Jess, can you tell us like about the divine gift? Because that thing blew my mind in terms of the world building. So I I was actually going back today earlier today and rewatching the episodes and I I completely blanked on that part of it and just trying to recall from memory it was the uh, it, it it's basically something that's locked in a vault that if you make it to number one you get a chance to go into that vault and pick out a divine gift but the if if I remember correctly the rumor was like uh, once you pick it out you go completely batshit insane right. So specifically what the what the story is, is that every king that has made it to number one, every single one of them 
They do get the opportunity to go into the vault. They do have a, 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 a seeming cornucopia of divine treasury to sift through. Um, but they all picked the same gift. They all picked That's the same one. Mm -hmm. And this particular gift, which is unnamed, uh, slowly drove them all to madness. Um, so, which makes me wonder, you know, like once they get it, like, is there more than one of this thing? Is this some sort of like boon that is given to you? Like some sort of quality that is given to you rather than a tangible object? Or is this object then passed down from number one king to number one king to number one king? And every time that king loses his shit and dies, um, it just gets like picked right back up and placed right back in the vault. Um, you know, there's a lot of questions there, but what that does is it tells us like, oh, divine gifts, these are literally gifts handed down supposedly by God, um, which in a traditional medieval European setting, you know, like you have like traditional Judeo-Christian God um, being a tangible, like corporeal being, that's interesting, you know, that really also builds the world because it also makes you think like, okay, well, there's a God it's probably something else too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you do start to see glimpses of that throughout the show. So it goes very much from, like you said, Jess, like Steven Universe meets um meets like Sword in the Stone to like Game of Thrones and Berserk. Um mm -hmm. it's very much that kind of uh it is misleading. The art style is misleading for the setting of the show. Yeah. Which I think makes it even better. Absolutely. Well, on that front, Jess, you want to break down some of the art style for us? Because you, yes. you had some some really good notes here. Absolutely. So the the art style is um it's it's a much more more cartoonish style. And uh and it it built I mean it's all based around what the, the original mangaka how they drew it, but um it is intentionally more um more colorful, more vibrant, more, more, I don't even know if it's like more of a watercolor style, but closer to more of a watercolor style. I'm, I'm not, I'm not an artist by any stretch. So if you are an artist, you feel free to correct me in the comments, but you know, uh, it, it's, it's a much more cartoonish style. It is not your typical, you know, uh, anime, you know, stereotypical anime style, you know, and, and it's going back to what you said earlier, Hal, about, um, how there's, there's not much that you really know about the world. And, and it just kind of clicked with me that this is all happening. Your, your journey through the story as the viewer is kind of mirroring Boji's journey through the world because we are discovering a lot of this stuff as the characters in the world are discovering the stuff so it's it's this kind of concurrent uh experiencing mm. that's going on here and it just it just kind of blows my mind a little bit but it's this that's this a killer point much more cartoonish style that um that misleads you into thinking that this is going to be something lighthearted and easily digestible and mm. uh the, that's the first loop that this show throws at you and it will throw many, many more. 
Yeah, I, I think that that's a great way to put it. To have the to uh, most fantasy properties will try to introduce like a a fish out of water character, Harry Potter crossing the barrier from the real world into like the Muggle world or the world as mm-hmm. we understand it into the Muggle world. Frodo leaving the Shire to go out and experience these things, and that's kind of the character we experience the story through. Except everything is so much more brutally frightening and strange because our fish out of water cannot hear or speak, and in kind of having that be your corollary it really makes everything hit in a way where this is the first time that I have been this consistently surprised by an anime in years in years every single time I'd be like next to Hal and I'd be like god damn it they got me again because I'd be like there's no way this is gonna happen there's no way this is gonna happen is this gonna happen and then it would take a third option that I hadn't even considered because anime trains you to have a bad brain man it trains you to become like a freakish uh a bad-brained anime pervert and to just go into your mind palace and see like three episodes ahead and and to know all of the tropes all of the tropes because something that the mangaka actually said was explicit is using these really really familiar fantasy tropes so that everything would feel so extra unexpected and uncomfortable when these things happened because it, it felt random to me it felt like playing a game of D almost in terms of like is this going to go along with where i think it's going is it not and it's truly almost like it feels like no rhyme or reason at first because everything is really scary but part of that it's it's by design it feels random and scary because even though there's a big plan you're going along with Boji and you don't understand all of the pieces every time a new supernatural element was introduced I was like oh they have that what she's doing what he said what they're going where and it's just it's it's this unfolding of the world where it's like you're looking further and further and further into a map that just descends into madness and it's it's really deeply satisfying. I think talking about the themes and things that we like confront in the show more broadly, why it's so disorienting. Um, Hal, was there anything you wanted to throw out there about like things that you didn't expect to be in the show, things the show made you feel or consider? Well, sure. And, and let me ask you, Jess, and let me ask you, Pax. Um, for all of our viewers out there, you know, this is something that I kind of want to wonder about in consideration of you. Uh, how, how, how are we doing with spoilers? What are we, uh, what are we letting out? Because I don't want to let out anything that you learn about the world in, in it being a major plot point. That's a great point. Uh, Jess, what does your wisdom tell you? Uh, I It's so hard. I want to – there are a lot of elements that require knowledge of – uh, characters and other types of, of creatures in this world that, you know, we could go into greater length and depth about, but, um, I think this is best experienced as, as blind as possible, as without an, as little prior knowledge as possible. I think it's great to talk about characters and I think we can, uh, go into a little bit of detail about some things that have happened, but I, 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 <laughs> I really I agree. Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything. I I, I think we can extrapolate from like what happens to this character that's like a well-known fantasy trope and then saying is like something that blew my mind. We we can kind of gesture in the direction of it because being surprised by the show is kind of like a great choice. Do you have anything like that, Hal? Because let's just say that um, it has a surprising number of biblical themes, Um, Hmm. things that I did not expect. Um, so just keep an eye out for anything that, you know, when they talk about divine this and divine that, you know, just pay attention to that because it's going to be a pretty central theme. 
uh, in some points. Um, but when it comes to like, you know, conflict is very much like, I, I think one thing about the show that I really appreciate is that fights are over in fights are over in like seconds. They're over in seconds. Um, and there is a, a bit of realism there that I really appreciate and that I really like, especially in the way that it is animated, especially in the way that it is drawn. Um, there's just so much love put into the show. So that's really all I'll say about like, you know, anything else regarding the themes or the, the art style or anything like that. Um, but I do have um, something interesting about the show that I didn't really expect and I didn't really think about until today, if I could share that. I'll allow it. Let's go, man. Cool, cool, cool. Great, great, great. <laughs> Let's roll. So, um, in regards to the music of the show, right? So, the music of the show, it, it was, it wasn't until we were talking about the show today and talking about the episode and being like, all right, you know, like, let's hit some themes, let's hit some stuff. And I was like, gosh, I, I can't even think about, like, when the music stood out to me other than the intro and the outro. Mm. The intro and the outro of each episode. Um in it being, first of all, the intro is fantastic. It's a great intro, very jazzy, very, um, uh, misleading, dude. I'll say yeah, it's like, yeah. misleading. what is this it is doing misleading. here? Yeah. You're like this, this does not fit the show. This does not fit the show. Um, none but it, of, do, it does in its own way. It's just that your bad anime watching brain has been trained to not to, to not expect these things and to feel like, well, this show has to come along with like, you know, heavy metal guitars and things like that. Right, 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 right. So, so for example, you could not uh, mute the intro and turn on Dear Maria Count Me In and like have it line up perfectly. <laughs> you could not do that with, with Ranking of Kings. Wait, wait, are you um, trying to tell me that the Attack on Titan theme would not work with... This opening? Mm. No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm gonna rewatch it real quick. That one's. I'm gonna have to hear that one again. But um, you know, if if it came, in, I got your picture. I'm coming with you. If that came up, I would be extremely surprised. Um, but the music in the show is very sparse. It's very sparse throughout it, and it. So many of the stronger moments in the show are are quiet. Mm. Are, are silent in regards to music, which, which for me gives you that moment of anticipation. It gives you that moment of holding your breath um, before you like dive into a pool, uh, which is so satisfying because I, I find that in a lot of shows where there's like this sweeping orchestral music, it can be really cool, really satisfying. But other times in like those quiet, intimate, dark moments when it's just quiet and and it's not sensationalized at all by like an orchestra an orchestra behind you it hits so much harder sometimes and this show does that so effectively in and hitting you with not knowing what's going to happen in the next few seconds because there's no music like, like you I, can I, tell if someone's a bad guy when they walk in and they've got like the the all for one <laughs> theme playing behind them you got like you're like okay this guy's not good <laughs> like but you don't get that with this I believe that there was no music when what happened at the crater happened at the crater. And I think that was nope. one of the reasons where like any other anime, it would have telegraphed to you through its orchestration where it was going. You would have heard certain things, but it made it absolutely shocking to me what happened at the crater. Which which I wonder, and, and tell me if I'm totally off base with this. Tell me if I'm totally off base with this. But I wonder if 
One interesting thing about Ranking of Kings that I really appreciate, and you actually brought this up, Pax, when we were watching it, was that they don't translate the sign language. Yeah, yeah. They don't translate it. You know, it doesn't have subtitles. It doesn't have, you You really, unless you know sign language, and, and unless they say explicitly what it is that they are saying to Prince Boji, you're not going to know. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll get kind of the gist of it, um, but that's about it. And I wonder if there's a distinct lack of music because Boji's deaf. Yeah, well, so yes. to give a little insight here, like not only is there a lack of music, and, and there is music here and there, there's there's plenty yeah. of orchestration, it's just not over the head with it, but I think that the way it treats sound, and specifically spoken word, is so important in the direction of this, because the other thing that doesn't exist in the show is that there are not internal monologues. Characters mm-hmm. do not have internal monologues, which is probably the biggest omission when it comes to an anime of never having a character, go- again, going into their mind palace and being like with slight like reverb. Gosh, I wonder if the secret villain is planning this thing. And if only I were to go into over my bloodline technique and then what if you were to go into the show, Bakugan, trap card. And then, you know, like you pop on out and time resumes. But in this, because you're with Boji and Boji is the guy you're caring about, he can't hear. And so, and it, he even if he had an internal monologue, it would be silent. You know what I mean? It would just be gestures of hands or concepts and things like that. And so the fact that we understand these things, it's just such smart storytelling because it only gives you slightly less than what you need to know going into every scene. And then you piece it all together when it happens and you come up with these theories, but it's it's just devastating, devastating. Jess, I, I saw you nodding. You got anything like oh, to yeah. share on that front? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um... I, I do want to talk about the the OST because on on first watch on, on my first watch through, uh, it didn't really pop out at me. It really didn't. But I think that's a good thing. I think that's in like not every anime soundtrack has to hit as hard as like Made in Abyss does, um, mm. or or anything by uh, Hiroyuki Sawano. It's like like any of the Attack on Titan music, anything like that. So, um, it fits into a very specific place in the storytelling structure and like you were saying Pax when the when the silences hit they hit so hard and you don't notice that they're hitting as hard as they are until you're consciously thinking about the music being there or not Mm -hmm. and like that's it plays such an important part and there are there is orchestration throughout the show there is absolutely there's specific themes that play when certain characters are on screen like when there's tense situations or things like that but when the music cuts out completely and it's just dialogue or it's just visuals like it just it amplifies those moments incredibly and Mm. furthermore talking going back to the uh the opening specifically the 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 ending theme is great as well it's a very very nice piece um but the opening is arguably one of the most musically interesting anime openings i have ever heard ever and there's i mean there's been some bangers out there for sure but like chord progression wise like lyrics how they use use the instruments that it's just i i don't know like you know key change the key changes absolutely yeah man the for the most part when you watch an anime as like you're the average anime ingester and you <laughs> average you, anime ingester <laughs> tips hat or tips <laughs> listener remember guys that's right that's right so, not the fuckers that listen to IGN anime <laughs> <laughs> so the the um what ends up happening is you'll watch an opening for the first episode mm. and then after that you skip that shit right away right like is that nine times out of ten 
That's what happens. I'd say with unless the it's Force, like incredibly hype. Yeah, like like I, we just watched the Fire Force thing. I showed him that after this. Mm-hmm. Um, Fire Force is hype. Uh, Mob Psycho 101 Punch yep. Man usually goaded. Absolutely. So so there's there's outliers for sure. But nine times out of ten, when you're just like consuming anime, you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you just want to get to the show. Fuck the opening. But I yeah. I have not once skipped the opening for Ranking of Kings. Not once because it's just it it. it it, I know on like first listen, it doesn't seem like it fits, but it does. It does. And I think it's I think it's very much from um, like if I want to really read into it and like thinking about the lyrics. And, and I think it's like the advice that Boji has been given by maybe his mother or his father or, you know, any of the other people that are in the show that have told him to keep going. And like yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just it was such a good choice. It's such a good choice. The, the music just blows me away. It's point. also such an interesting blend of genres too. Mm-hmm. It's like jazz meets funk, which I really, mm-hmm. really appreciate. Uh, just in its cadence and, and how how it's been constructed, it's just so unique. Like you said, and and like you, you're absolutely right, Jess. Uh, I Pax, I don't think you and I skipped the intro a single time. No, and I think oftentimes it was because I needed that 90 seconds to think about what the shit had just happened the last episode. <laughs> yeah, and like, we were watching oh, like three oh. to four episodes like back to back, and we watched yeah. the intro each time, which which is saying something because we weren't like just doing it, you know, day by day. We were going back to back and just we heard the intro a saw like four or five times that day. Yeah. Yeah, and the whole time I'm going, what's happening? What's happening? What did that thing that happened on the king's bed, what is that supposed to mean? Yep. Like, And in yep. general, the thing that I just want to throw out here in terms of legitimately shocking things is like the fate of the king and what happens to the king. If you thought that like Ned Stark's beheading at the end of Game of Thrones season one is like a shocking moment, there for me felt like six things that rivaled that in terms of the reveals of there. And same thing with the trope of like the woman in Prince Dida's magic mirror. Prince Dida, very quickly you're like, okay, well, Prince Dida has a magic mirror that seems to be grooming him to become king. And this is like Mm -hmm. a standard fantasy trope, like mirror, mirror on the wall. But the truth of what is in that mirror and what that mirror wants and its connection to the rest of the cast is something that just it I, I'm like I was like ripping the skin off of my face out of shock of just like what the, I can't believe it's doing this so 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 cool I, that's not too spoily am I, am I walking the line I think no I think no you haven't good. revealed anything no okay. I, I cool, think cool, cool, cool. I think one thing that I particularly also enjoy about it is that yes we are experiencing as the audience all these twists and turns all these crazy moments these like what moments but the cast of the show for a lot of them in those really strange moments they're just kind of like yeah that was weird or mm, okay like there are very rarely moments in which the cast are like shocked for any duration of time um, to them, this is all very either expected or predictable or normal, or like they just have a very high tolerance for shocking events, which to me help builds the world even further because it shows that the events that are occurring are not necessarily extraordinary. Yeah, or even random. if they feel that way to us. Or, or random. random, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good way to put it. There's kind of like, oh, yeah, no, this makes sense. And, and, and we're like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> to, to build off yeah, of that a little bit, it's uh, the it speaks to 
underlying levels of interconnectivity and subterfuge that are happening all of the and and i i yeah hit us with that it it blow this this shit blows my mind this this show is so fucking good um it is i i use the term i i think i tweeted this like last week i was like ranking of kings is what game of thrones could have been mm-hmm. and i mean that i mean that it is absolutely as I don't want to say convoluted because that gives it a ne- neg- more negative connotation, but um, it is. It's convoluted in the sense that every single character in this show has their own motives, has their own uh, allegiances, has their their own likes and dislikes. The, every character is incredibly multifaceted. So it, it speaks to that the, the when when like specifically when the uh, when the thing on the bed happens uh, and and you know everyone's a little bit shocked, but then they're like, oh yeah, okay, you know that makes sense. You know it speaks to the that everyone's everyone's planning, everyone is plotting, mm-hmm. everyone is scheming, yeah, in some yeah. form or fashion. Except Boji. Except Boji. Except yeah. Boji. Except Boji. And the the. The way I would describe this, the the show is that it looks like Tintin or Asterix or any of these like European comics. It's not quite like American cartoon style, but even the cartoony elements, it's like the way it's animated is like cartoon naturalism, where the characters are not like like a wooga-ing and doing these things. It's they very much have firm bodies that bleed and break and do these things. They very rarely go off model in this show. And when combat happens, it has a immense sense of physical uh, precision that just makes it makes it so good but to see a show with the aesthetic similarities of this type of like childish some people have said Miyazaki I'm just not sure that that's quite it I think it really is more like European children book type art but to have like I would I I'm as shocked watching the show as I would be if like I'm watching an episode of Blue's Clues and Steve is like now Blue we're today we're gonna talk about the horrifying scandal of Jeffrey Epstein (laughs) yeah Jeffrey let's talk about it and it gets so real and shocking and I'm like Mm -hmm. this does not it doesn't match but my god did they pull it off well the show is so good show is so good so um any more stuff about what makes it unique as we're kind of reaching towards the 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 end of this here like what these big chunks throw it at the wall yeah and and building off of the building off of the the fight scenes a little bit I I I said that the um the the animation just because the animation isn't like the the stereotypical anime doesn't mean they skimped on the budget. The yeah. moment the, the moments of Sakuga are are absolutely unbelievable. The fight scenes are slow or not slow. They're 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 impactful. They're um they they're very deliberate and the movements you you said that people for the most part packs you said that they the characters stay very much on model, but. When the fight scenes happen and the the Sakuga kicks in, everyone gets a little bit rubbery. Like yeah. uh, there, I was rewatching the the little practice sword fight between, and this isn't really spoilery, the sword fight between uh, uh, Dida and Boji. And there's this part where Dida's face just kind of like shifts off his skull a little bit, and like it's almost unsettling, but it also makes sense because of how much he's exerting himself. So yeah. like. Th- the sakuga the 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 budget is used exactly where it needs to be so mm. i think the the animation style keeps things a little bit more budget friendly but they they absolutely go off when they need to mm. 
And, and I think building off of that, you're commenting with fights because I love anime fights and I just love watching fight scenes in any context at all. And one thing that I really appreciate about Ranking of Kings that a lot of other shows do not do, they just don't do it. Every blow is the killing blow. Every mm. blow is intended to be the kill. Every single one. And, you know, it's not like like a blow where they're just like... Like, like punching each other as fast as they can. And there's not really any intention behind where they're, where they're trying to strike or how hard they're striking. Mm. Or like any real technique behind it. Um, this is very much like when I say the fights are over in seconds, it's because every fight is extremely, like you said, deliberate, intentional, and every stroke is the killing stroke. Um, and I'm thinking back to the fight. Between, I'm thinking of a Brazzers parody of the killing joke called the killing stroke. The killing stroke. <laughs> <laughs> I see you're not wearing your pants today. <laughs> Irrelevant. I'm sorry for shitting all on your beautiful commentary with my Batman dick joke. No, no, please. I, I love a good Batman dick joke. Absolutely. Jess, if you could hit us with the relationships and character building in the show, because you talked about like how yes. big the plot was, but like how, how does just, just talk about, oh, just vibe it out, man. All it's right. so fantastic. You got it. You got it. So, there's a lot of a lot of moving parts here. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of moving parts in like uh, I would use the example of um, of like My Hero Academia, for instance. My Hero Academia is a great shonen show. Now, there's a million fucking characters in My Hero Academia, and there is not enough time or budget to uh to to grow those characters very much at all so you get these like cookie cutter uh like everyone's got one thing that they do like um the the grape grape guy the the purple haired what is it minetta is that mean Minetta, Minetta, yeah, Minetta, Minetta is, yeah. is just the pervert, uh, and uh, Todoroki Who's is just horrible, just hot <laughs> and cold, and 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 uh, Midoriya is the protagonist. You know, so it's it they're very kind of cut and dry characters in that sense. So it, with most shonen battle anime or anime in general, there there are these tropes that uh, that that's their whole character. For the most part. And then throughout the show, a few characters get developed. All of these characters, every single character that is in Ranking of Kings is already developed. Mm-hmm. Is already developed. And there was there's a uh, a kind of a guideline for, for making good – for doing good scene work in, in improv is that you want to come into a scene in the middle of a relationship. Mm. And I notice that all the time with good shows is that you you start a scene, you start watching a show and it's in the middle. You know, we see an origin story later on or, you know, we these characters are already fleshed out. They're already developed. They have their quirks. They have their – well, quirks, you know. Um, but it's it, – thank you. Thank you. So <laughs> it's, it's really refreshing to see these characters all given time – to shine and subvert your expectations because mm. they're still utilizing these tropes. A lot of the tropes from um, like like old fairy tales or, or medieval fantasy type stories. There's, you know, typical characters that you would see, but the tropes inform their character. They not they're not their entire character. They're not all they are. So um, I am one one thing I wanted to ask you guys is what what? is who who are your favorite characters because i for me um 
I mean, Boji is best boy, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but Queen Hilling. Yeah. I immediately hated her. Immediately hated her. And then I didn't. And that was incredibly jarring. But also like, oh, yeah, okay, that's really fucking cool. So uh, Queen Hilling is definitely one of my favorites. Um, how about you guys? That's I'm, funny because she's absolutely my favorite. Yes. <laughs> you pro- probably mine too. I mean, she's introduced and you're like, oh, this is just the mean stepmother with gigantic slappies who the king, uh, <laughs> like I, when you see the proportional difference between her and the king, like I think a turkey I, baster I, must've been involved somehow. There's just, it just, I don't think physiologically that any, it, it, it would be here. very much like seeing a, uh, a mastiff chihuahua breed, you know, Yo, and be, yeah. but, but like the chihuahua is the mother. Bruh, if he's unloading, she's blowing up like Veruca salt in 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 freaking. Uh, she's walking out of the bedroom like Willy the Michelin Wonka. Man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the same color too. Oh god, it, damn it. It's oh. very, it's 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 jarring the proportional difference between these two characters. Yeah, yeah. But so, uh, Hal, why do you like healing? I like healing, especially uh, exactly for the same reason that you did, Jess. Uh, they really subverted my expectations with healing. And, and Queen Healing is so, um, she, she is so three-dimensional in, like, you could see so much of her relationship with the prince in that, in that it is complicated. It is not necessarily like, oh, I am always this super caring, loving person, or yeah, I am always this horrible, cruel individual to this, Mm -hmm. to this disabled child. Um, you see the effort that she takes in, having previously no experience with someone who has a hearing disability to learning sign language to, you know, taking steps to, to associate as much as possible with this child who does not want anything to do with her. Um, and eventually, you know, like she grows that relationship between them and that shows care that shows trust that shows real, real love being difficult. Um, and then, you know, something really, really crazy happens in the show and she finds out and she has this incredible, incredible moment. That, the voice acting during that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. This incredible moment where she realizes something and she just goes ape shit, ape shit in front of all of these people. Um, and and you just see so much depth in this person, in this very real person, um, who, in a f- physical capacity, doesn't have a lot of strength, um, but with heart has just so much, and, and there's so much soul and heart behind this character. Just I just love Queen Healing. A thousand percent, and the way that her voice is cracking and breaking throughout that moment. Oh, you're mentioning, her performance like, is excellent. It's like powerful, best of the year stuff. Like really, really great stuff. Um, I'll just give a quick shout out before we move on to best and worst. Um, to Prince Dida, just because there are moments where like he is doing stuff that is as if not more evil than anything Prince Joffrey did in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, holy shit, really? And then there's that one moment during the thing with the thing when she when they're about to do the thing, and you think, is he really gonna do the thing? Is he really gonna do the thing? there's been like a thousand signs you shouldn't do the thing is he gonna do the thing and then what happens with the thing what is the thing for what's the truth of the thing the choice he makes with the thing i'm like oh wow i didn't expect you to do it with the thing <laughs> I that's exactly <laughs> right i couldn't have said it better this i couldn't have said it listeners. better myself <laughs> they know what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely oh god um so anyway 
this I think has been a super great conversation just surrounding why this show is so special and like it, it this is really like great tier of art stuff where I'm almost wondering that if this show keeps this up for its full runtime it could very easily enter like my top five I think of all time even like it, it could knock something out of there um, if if it just keeps this up but going on to this the uh, strengths and um, uh, worst parts of this um, We've kind of lift, listed a lot of strengths. Does anybody have any like weaknesses they want to throw out there, or anything that like they're not totally in love with? Um, I personally don't love Kage's design. Anatomy wise, it just doesn't make any sense. I I mm. don't understand it. Like even within this world, it it like none of it makes any sense to me. Jess, anything for you? Um, I mean it. <laughs> this. There, there haven't been many, many seasonal anime that I've that I've watched where I've been uh, itching for the next episode to come out. Mm-hmm. There has not been many episodes or anime where that has happened. So the fact that after each episode, I am still like, what is going to happen next? I need to know. And I need to know yesterday. You know, yeah. that's that's. It, it tells me everything I need to know about how good this show is, and I'm hoping I'm conveying that uh, well enough. But as far as as far as uh, shortcomings or downsides to the show, um, I think I, I would have to agree with Hal on this. Uh, Kage's design is a little bit off-putting and it's i there's there's a lot of weird character designs there's a lot of weirdly Mm. proportioned characters in the show which i think still works um and going back one piece does it all the time you know right exactly exactly it still it still works and it it kind of speaks to the 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 pliability of character designs in this show because there is that kind of rubberizing effect when when the Mm. action does happen also uh love when boji flash steps randomly you know he's he's just the master of speed uh which is something i feel like we didn't touch on but the the kid's untouchable so um but yeah kage's design is a little off-putting but I and and the other thing really is the the animation style itself is I think the reason people haven't gotten into this yet and the mm. reason why it's not blowing up like it should. But I think it would absolutely be worse if it looked um, like your standard anime, in, in my opinion, um, in, in terms of like what it accomplishes. But I think that's a really smart mm-hmm. point, Chess. Um, are you caught up with the last episode that dropped on Friday? Um, I believe so. That was. So all I I, I want to say is that Boji in his thing of learning to fight, the only two things that give me pause that I could see. I mean, this show has not let me down yet, but I have a little bit of pause regarding um, something about how Boji is learning how to fight and a little bit of pause regarding a certain aspect of characters that die in the show. And you guys know what I'm talking about because we're sharing the show notes. Mm -hmm. But again, this is the one anime where it's like literally it's been a overwhelming joy to get to see it for myself. And so, again, I think within even one episode, this is going to hook you. This is not a like watch 20 episodes of uh, Naruto, watch 40 episodes of One Piece, watch, you know, something before it gets good. This is something where I think you'll you'll get the vibe on the first episode. Please give it a watch. This is really, really good. Um, Jess, you had specifically anyone we would recommend this to if you could list some of these off. Um, well, anyone that's uh, anyone that's looking for that Game of Thrones type fix, because the story goes just as deep, if not deeper, and all the characters are just as multifaceted. Uh, fans mm-hmm. of Lord of the Rings or any other fantasy type uh, shows, any enjoyers of things like that, uh, 
<laughs> you said hardcore calloused anime degenerates who have lost the ability to feel. Yes, yes. That is, listen, I um the last time I cried at an anime was um that one episode in ReZero season two where mm. where shit goes down. Um, because I don't want to spoil any of that if anyone hasn't watched ReZero yet. Where the thing a, does the thing with the thing, and ride. the guy has to deal with the thing yep, with the thing. With, yep, big exactly. thing. It's, yeah, it's yeah, a lot yeah. of stuff happening and a lot of feelings on screen and watching it. And uh, also anyone who's looking for that deeper immersion into a world because this is the kind of show that sucks you in whether you want it to or not. It's going to happen. You are mm. going to get engrossed in this and and every fiber of my being is itching to learn more about this world. Absolutely. So give it a watch. Yes, please. Um, uh, Hal, any last things you want to throw on here today? No, Jess, I, I think you articulated yourself perfectly. I feel exactly the same way. I think watching this show, it's going to put you in a, in a mind cage of your own design uh, that you will just want to stay in as long as the show is is going. So enter your mind cage. Uh, watch Ranking <laughs> of Kings. I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, this is actually the first show that has made me feel okay with the passing of Kentaro Miura, the man who writes Berserk, because Berserk is one of my favorite series, and knowing that it's probably never going to receive a proper ending like is really, really sad, but there are very clear Berserk illusions in here, like the the egg, the bulette, um, and things like this, that in seeing another Japanese mangaka who at the age of 41 is choosing to revitalize the manga and anime genres in a way that is so brilliant to see a team at Studio Wit coming behind it to give something where like anyone who watches anime knows there's like 14 times a year where you worry that like this is probably it for anime right this is probably it it's all downhill from here there's not going to be another good one they've done it they've done mm-hmm. all the stuff I don't need the 14th isekai this month um where god damn it they did it again and anime has got me again and i hate to say it but unfortunately now we need to do more brotakus because anime is good again y'all <laughs> oh god so um that said return of hal hal welcome back to brotakus how you feeling i feel great especially after talking about one of my new favorite shows uh i am ready for more of this content uh, maybe we should hold off on building the time machine and going back and assassinating akira toriyama mm. um I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying that just because I'm I'm a hardcore Dragon Ball fan, you know, like I'm not saying that Jess, uh, but um, 1v1 me, bro. It's fine. But, uh, but, you know, I, I think that maybe I think that maybe we can we can give give anime a longer lifeline if if possible, even I'm sorry, at the expense of of, you know, not delaying COVID for another five days. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, let's let's wait till the end of season one of Ranking of Kings. And let's if, be sure about that before. And we if make Kage doesn't have a Sharingan by the end of the season, then we can call off the hit. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I say if like Kage and Boji don't form some sort of Megazord where like Kage becomes Boji's ears and mouth, um, I think then that's that they won't that I won't be satisfied. Like like if Kage becomes like a, a, a Boji's symbiote suit. Uh, and they become venom. I, I, I will. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll be deeply dissatisfied if that doesn't happen. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Thank fucking God, man. (laughs) This episode has been extra gross. I just, I just want to see the, the, the Kage versus Bebin, uh, Lincoln Park numb AMV. Like, let me, let me see that. I want to see that happen. 
Oh my god. Oh god. All right, well, we'll have to get on that. We'll have to get back in the AMP yeah, studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What better way to promote pro talkers? Oh god. Jess, it has been an absolute ball of a time having you on, man. I can't thank you enough. You've been so good to have on, dude. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a hell of a time. I've been really enjoying it. I didn't yeah, want to stop, absolutely. you know? Absolutely. I could talk you about this that. forever. <laughs> would you be down to come on again, Jess, since you've been such a joy? I mean, shit, if you'll have me, I would absolutely love to, as long as the DBZ fans don't kill me. Hell yeah, hell yeah. So if that <laughs> I'll, I'll, hold, I'll hold them off. I'll put in a good word <laughs> for at you. At the next meeting, you'll put in a yeah, word. Yeah, <laughs> at the next DBZ meeting. <laughs> as all their angry wives are dropping them off. <laughs> 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 oh, God. So anyway, everyone... Uh, for the first of uh, 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 Jess's <laughs> Protaku's appearance, I'm sure many more because this was great. Um, uh, Jess, you've earned the right, nay, the privilege of announcing some of your social media. Where can people find you if they want to catch on some of these streams, catch some of your really fucking good tweets? What can they do? Oh, yeah. So uh, my uh, my my. I, uh, bu- 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 now I'm blanking on. So my my Twitch handle is JJ Jetplane. So that is J A Y J Jetplane. So twitch.tv slash JJ Jetplane. I stream Friday nights, Saturday nights, and Sunday nights Eastern time, usually around 6 p.m. or so. Uh, and I'm kind of a variety streamer, so I do a little bit of everything. A lot of first-person shooters, a lot of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, uh, and various indie games and things like that. So uh, currently playing through It Takes Two with my partner, which has been an incredible time. Nice. And I'm, I've been going in, into it completely blind, so I it's I've, I've seen no play playthroughs of it i've seen no footage of it which is wild because of the internet but you know um mm-hmm. it has been an awesome experience so we'll be doing more of that uh find me on socials twitter uh good lord do i have the, the i someone took my we'll, we'll like a, the jj jet plane handle without the underscores so it's j-a-y-j yeah, we'll put them in the show notes so you got all the spelling and definitely check out i will mark especially what is jess's shit posting uh, uh yes, account because please. that one's really really good really really good and whoever account. took your handle will put them in the ground <laughs> you get all your all, all the the dbc's uh addicts anonymous on there and just get them all to beat them up because yes. surpri- surprisingly, despite how things are going with their wives, they do love working out. They are massive, yes. every one of them, Absolutely. in the cuddle yes. tank tops. Yeah, yeah. And that, that should go without saying. <laughs> yes, you're right. I'm sorry. Hal, you're huge. You're gigantic. Thank you. <laughs> and I got to say, before we lead it out today, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Brotakus is back, baby. Brotakus2022forever.com forward slash Brotakus. Um, and Hal, I love you, man. Thank you so much for coming back on. And here's here's to another fucking fantastic season of Brotakus, dude. Absolutely. It is my pleasure. And um, I think with that, Pax, I think a good way to uh, sign us off will uh, be the classic, the uh, the good old uh, 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 tried it. and true. Do it. Yeah. All right. So, everyone, I'm Hal. Oh, we got to do the thank you so much for listening first. We got to add the plugs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I've been a lot of practice. I, I thought I thought we were doing SantaCon again. Uh, my right. mistake. Uh, anyway. So, anyone, uh, thank you all so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or review us on your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a comment and like on YouTube. And if you really want to help the show, the greatest thing you can do is share it with someone who you think would like it. Mm. It really does make a difference. And we appreciate the support. <laughs> All right. So, and with, with that said, I got this from here. Yeah. Uh, okay. Our first one. Let's ready. Fusion. Ha, let's go. Ha! All right. I'm Pax. And I'm Hal. 
And, and this, this is, is Brotaku. Baby, let's go. Let's get it. See y'all next <laughs> week. Bye, y'all. See you later, y'all. <laughs>